Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty on Licking Non-Vanilla with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. Well, hello, little kitties. Once again, you've stumbled across Licking Non-Vanilla. I sound a little echoey today to myself. Anyway, this is Ralph Greco Jr. And across the aisle, world, but not my sensibilities, is... <laughs> Uh, Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian, from the wild and woolly west of Eugene, Oregon. And uh, how, how's the how's the weather and the fires out there, Chris? Well, the fires are non-existent. That's all. That's kind of like gone past. Thank, thank good. Out there was kind of scary because you know the the scare was like, the air was like bright orange, and I kept getting birds right. saying, you know, evacuation imminent. Um, but no, it's it's quite fine now. It's a little chilly, but that's why I like it. You know, like I yeah. grew up in the. Um, LA area, and I'm so glad to actually have weather. Yeah, because LA kind of stays pretty moderate, right? Yeah, it gets it gets hot depending on where you are. Um, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. get cold. Um, I used to say, describe the weather in LA as either being blue or hot, one of the two. Um, <laughs> so we didn't really have seasons. So it's really interesting to be living somewhere that actually has a season. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, in the East Coast, we 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 you know we have delineated seasons for sure. Which push along the the uh, holidays, you know. Um, yeah, you actually have like what's that white stuff that falls from the sky? Uh, right, right. Cocaine. That weird stuff. I I don't know. You people are freaky. I mean, it's just... it's it's uh it's cocaine. <laughs> um, I I read a great book this week, and I put it up on our blog. And I've been blogging a bit, and I have actually been in contact with the author, who I'm hoping may come on this show. Um, but I want to talk about this book with you because it's um, it, it's it's one of those subjects that I think we're always, even if we don't admit we're interested in, we're interested in, you know, mm-hmm. um, a salacious subject. Now, the name of the book is Sex with Presidents, <laughs> The Ins and Outs of Love and Lust in the White House, and it's by Eleanor Herman. Now, Eleanor goes from the pretty much beginnings, from like Alexander Hamilton all the way up. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, to read the exploits and the the daring do of these guys is just unbelievable. And just when you thought you knew like pretty much everything you you've ever heard about sex scandals in the White House, she lays it bare, you know, and uh, takes takes any kind of um worship of these guys off the table you know but uh it's it's, it's some i mean some of the, I'll, I'll tell you a few of these things but it's really interesting but i was just thinking about powerful men and powerful women exploiting their their standing mm-hmm. you know and it always seems to come down to sex mm-hmm. you know 
I just, just want to very what, what do you think? I mean, other than the fact that we're all horny little monkeys, <laughs> what, what do you think fuels that? Do you think it's just possessing somebody else and being able to lay our territory? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. Cause I just saw a really interesting thing on YouTube, you know, uh, Vanity Fair, and a couple of other sites as well. I think it's both uh, the ones I usually, you know, do follow are Vanity Fair. Yeah. But they have these experts, and the experts will do things like, um, you know, talk about something like everything from forensic science to, um, you know, history to fill in the blank, anything for that matter, um, yeah, yeah. that is like, you know, what's accurate, what isn't. And one of the ones I watched was a presidential historian. Okay. And he was talking about various scenes from the movies about whether or not they were accurate or not. And I thought it was particularly interesting because he talked about a lot of that. And he, he said something that, that kind of stuck with me. We said that, you know, to be president, you basically have to be a psychopath because, you know, the amount, not necessarily, you know, um, in like a dangerous way, but you right, know, right. your ego has to be really pretty, you know, insanely strong to want to put yourself out there and expose yourself to the world. So yeah, I think I a very different kind of mindset mm -hmm. um, that comes with people who are presidents. And in some cases, I think it works out fairly well. And, you know, they managed to keep that in check. And there's a couple of presidents I admire who did that. But other ones just kind of like, you know, kind of lose it. <laughs> and they did. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, according to her book, it, it's not just that they're taking risks. And before a certain time of history, the press was, it was almost like an unwritten rule. The press would not discuss and or elaborate on a, on a president's, you know, affairs. Mm -hmm. um, their opponents and or their mistresses published pamphlets that were wildly popular, but the press kept hands off, you know, until a certain time, like around after FDR is when they started, you know, getting uh, interested to the point that they would publish stuff. And, um, she 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 describes somebody like like Kennedy. What not only was he having affairs, but he would have affairs in his bed where he slept with Jackie and wouldn't change the sheets afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, man, that's not just that's just not wild abandon. That also may be you know wanting to stick her nose in it. You know, mm -hmm. it's a weird. It's one thing to 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 be a serial cheater. Um. But it's another to be, you know, go out of your way to 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 make your partner uh, feel bad about the whole situation, or embarrassed, or humiliated. You know, exactly. And some of these, I mean, one or two of these guys um, supposedly raped women. Oh my god! Which is just, it's unbelievable. Really, you read this stuff; it's unbelievable. And uh, it's, so. So what, I wonder if power corrupts completely. I, I think to a certain extent it does. And I think it takes a very, again, kind of a strong personality to resist it. Um, you know, some people just, you know, just kind of like lose their, literally lose their nuts, so to speak. Yeah, right. You know, and it was interesting because it's like, I remember reading, I think it was Susie Bright, who mentioned about the Lewinsky scandal with Clinton. And the one thing she pointed out was, it was it was the power of now. In other words, that it, it's just that 
you know, some men just kind of like, you know, that they're when they're presented with anything sort of like salacious, you know, they just kind of like, you know, lose it, you know, as opposed mm -hmm. to thinking things through, um, you know, because and that would sort of explain some of it. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I really wonder how that kind of like, you know, that personality kind of like comes into that. I mean, some people just glorify it and other people, you know, kind of hold off. Um, again, kind of, I think it has to do with how they approach it. I mean, you know, God knows it's funny when people talk about, you know, the mango Mussolini in the White House or not for much longer, you know, how, um, you know, oh, he's like, you know, a, you know, evangelical favorite. It's like this man is like cheated left, right and center. And mm -hmm. I don't know if he's done it while in office. He certainly did it when he wasn't in office, you know, and I mean, for God's sakes, one of his many scandals was a porn star he paid off. <laughs> right. Yeah. I and mean, you look at somebody like Kennedy. You know, they're, they're, you know, the affair with Marilyn Monroe and how they passed her around, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and how he was he was touted as this paradigm, you know, the the whole um, Camelot fantasy. And, you know, the good looking, young, vibrant, you know, who is basically, according to this author and, and others I've read, addicted to painkillers, um, a serial cheater, dangerous, you know, dangerously so. Um, so it's odd, you know, of course the, the myth, what, what did, um, what did, um, what's his name? Who was, who played deep throat in all the president's men? Is that Robarts? No. Anyway, what do he say? He says to Robert Redford at one point, forget the myth that the, that the, uh, the white house, forget the myth that you've read about the white house, you know? Um, and I think that's what it is. We, we got to realize these are, these are people here, you know? Um, anyway, so Chris. At the end of the day, it, it's it's probably power and, like you said, the the possibility of doing it when we want to, right? Mm -hmm. With who we want to, that makes us a little careless. Or everybody, not just not just men of power. True, true, very true. You know, I mean, I, years ago, I I got to interview um, Tiger Woods' mistress, the one who kind of spilled the beans on the whole thing. Oh yes, and she said he was incredibly reckless. I mean, at the, at the time, he was probably one of the best known men on the planet. Mm -hmm. And he would like he would court her at, at in these Vegas, you know, strip clubs and stuff. And she was like, "He's right out in the open. If everybody has a cell phone, you take a picture of him." Mm -hmm. But he just and he, you know, he certainly didn't want to be caught. Or maybe he did. You know, maybe that's the other. Maybe that's the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they maybe. Men and women who engaged in this kind of stuff so out in the open do want to be caught. True, true. And I think another yeah. thing is also that, you know, that once again, we're talking about, it's funny. I mean, I've always kind of thought, you know, celebrities, when they reach a certain point, this is true about presidents or anything else, they enter like a whole different world. Yeah. We, we, that we just can't simply understand, um, you know, because, you know, when you think about that, it's not just money, but it's just like, you know, surrounding yourself suddenly with people who, you know, want to either protect you or sponge off you or use you or, you know, something similar. I mean, it's just like, I can barely imagine what that must be like. And I do think it's kind of makes sometimes them just sort of like lose, you know, their sanity. I mean, once again, back to, you know, back to Trump. I mean, this is a person who's like lived in this kind of, you know, isolated, weird world and Right. You know, and that's kind of explains why he acts this way sometimes, because he simply doesn't know how the other half lives. He doesn't know how anything except for this kind of like 
reality he surrounded himself with, you know, acts. And it's true also, I think, of politicians in general, because oh, absolutely. the politician, you know, they have to, they have the, like this public face and their private face. I mean, think about how many Republicans have gotten caught in gay sex scandals. You know, it's just like, you know, this, the level of hypocrisy is staggering, but it's also kind of oh, like they just see that as part of the game, you know, well, to look, have one face in public and one face in private. Well, you look at a, you look at a guy like Anthony Weiner. Mm -hmm. I mean, caught once or twice sending these pictures of his junk mm -hmm. and he keeps doing it. Yep. <laughs> you got to think like either he's got a, he's got a compulsion and, or he's not so smart. Mm hmm. And they said in this book, according to this book, and I've read this before, that old man Joe Kennedy was was cheating on his wife for years, mm -hmm. and the boys just followed suit. Mm -hmm. This is the world they knew, like you're talking about. Yeah. A world that you're indoctrinated into and know. Mm -hmm. And certainly the Kennedys lived in a world of privilege, high privilege. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think in that world, like you're saying, this is just kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, when we... And like Clinton was the same way, you know. I think for a long time that that situation with his wife, and I mean he embarrassed her like you know you couldn't you couldn't do any better than that. Mm -hmm. And she stuck it out. That's another thing too. It's not just the cheater; it's also the victim sticks it out sometimes. Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. But I think you're right. I think this is a world we do not know. Exactly. It's just like, and that's the thing. You know, Joe Candy was a. Piece of work in and of himself. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. It's like they just have this different world they live in. Um, I mean, it's like sometimes like their behavior is just remarkable. Like you mentioned before, Tiger Woods, remarkably reckless. I remember that one yeah, uh, conservative politician who got caught soliciting gay sex in an airport bathroom. I mean, it's like <laughs> at least have the brains to keep this to a certain, you know, a certain, you know, safe level. I mean, why the hell right. do you solicit someone? in public, let alone, you know, an airport. I mean, it was just like, you're right. like, sort of like, you know, scoop out their brains and take a look at what's going on in their heads because that's just like insane. It's just stupid. I mean, it's the same, George Michael getting caught in the, uh, in the park, in the Will Rogers restroom. Yep, yep. And I mean, George fucking Michaels, everybody knows this guy. Mm-hmm. And nobody gives a shit what you and I are doing, but I mean, man. These guys are just reckless, you know. Well, exactly. I mean, Paul Rubens got busted in a in a, an adult theater. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> right. you know, it's like once again, why? I mean, you know, especially considering like your, rep your reputation before that. It's just again, it's like, what the hell are you thinking? I mean, at least if you're gonna, you know, indulge, have a little bit of brain cells working there. Yeah. Well, that's what I always said about Clinton too. Like, he could have facilitated anything he wanted to get her out of the White House and do whatever he wanted to do with her out of the White House. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the thrill for these guys is, you know, to bang them on the desk of the Oval Office. You know, like, that's the thrill of it. And, like, you made a good point before. It's the right now version of it. It's like, I can do this right now. And I think that's what it is sometimes, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's once again, it's like, it's we just don't simply have an idea of what these what these you know, kind of a person it takes to, you know, not necessarily do this kind of thing, meaning fool around and, you know, act inappropriate, right. but just, you know, living that way. It's just, it's, it's just totally, you know, incomprehensible. Um, and again, it's like, there's also that sense of power, like you said, too. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, this is not just a situation of, 
you know, indulgence. But when you, when, you know, it takes a certain kind of a person to want to be president. And, you know, same way with, with celebrities. It, it's not something that, you know, you know, you can sort of like um, really easily understand of like that kind of drive. And then when they achieve that, they feel like they're invulnerable. It's funny. I, I, I remember going, oh, I don't know how many years ago, to a certain haircut cutter, stylist, whatever you want to call him. And I remember her saying the biggest problem she had was clients coming in and saying, oh, I want to look just like Jennifer Aniston. Right. And she said, you know, you got to realize that most times you see Jennifer Aniston in public where her hair looks perfect or George Clooney, you know, mm -hmm. she's saying they've been attended to and quaffed you know, even in a limousine, before you see them get out of the limousine, mm -hmm. they're consistently, you know, uh, pricked and prodded, you know, and 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 updated. And somebody's always on the, you know. So like, again, you're right. They don't live in the world that you and I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, occasionally you'll see the pictures nowadays too of them being quoted to Ralphs or something, you know. But generally speaking, when you see those people on the red carpet or even going somewhere, they usually have been attended to by a little army or team of stylists. Mm -hmm. And their world is not like your your world and our, our, my world, you know, on that, on that, definitely on that level. And that's funny too, you mentioned that because I've also heard many times celebrities will be out in public and people just simply don't recognize them, which I think is yeah. funny. I mean, you know, and you, again, like you just said, it's like, it's because they're, you know, co-op styled, you know, and put together certain ways. so. You know, they're like, they simply just, you know, they don't look like people expect them to look like. Um, and I think that's really kind of funny because, you know, it's again, so you think these very recognizable people. And then when you, you know, they, they just simply disappear when they just take their makeup off. Um, and yeah. also sometimes, you know, it's funny because sometimes celebrities handled this pretty well. Um, I remember reading about several that kind of impressed me and how, how down to earth they are. And, mm -hmm. you know, don't let this, you know, celebrity get to their heads and such. Others, though, kind of like, you know, again, lose their minds. Uh, and it, you know, it, it, yeah. it, was, it was funny. It's like I was reading about Michael Jackson. And mm -hmm. not that I read a lot about Michael Jackson, but this simply happened across my mind. And, they were, that, you know, someone pointed out that, you know, that there was this situation back during his, you know, his, you know, rather controversial times where, you know, the son would report all this weird shit he was doing and, you know, how, right. how bizarre things. And this is before, you know, the the serious accusations. Um, yeah. And, you know, someone pointed out that, that a lot of those press, you know, things, those outrageous behavior things were actually leaked by him. That it was his way of sort of like controlling the narrative or okay. kind of communicating with people was to release this stuff, which once again, it's like, just baffles me. But again, <laughs> it's like, you know, we're talking about, you know, people who just simply, you know, we don't understand. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really true, Chris. It's really true. We, we, cause we're for, I, I don't know about you, but I'm very quick to jump and criticize, you know, like, like what the hell is Michael Jackson doing that now for? Mm -hmm. Or, how stupid Clinton was, but you're right. We don't live in that world. Mm -hmm. And if you caught, this puts me really in mind of another thing that, that we, we got on a site recently. Have you caught any of the, the documentaries or a documentary playing on HBO called the vow? 
and then there's one on Showtime or Stars called uh, Seduced, and it's about the Nexium cult. Have you heard about this? Oh yes, yes, that's really. And you wrote wow. a wonderful piece for our website. I want to give you a, a big round of applause for that. You wrote actually a couple of pieces now, isn't it? I think you wrote one. Yeah, two about them. Yeah, and um, they're really excellent. You did a superb job on that, and Thank it's you. really quite disturbing. I mean, I've always found cults to be fascinating, but you know, it's it's one of those things where you know when they pop up. You know, yes, there's the ones that, you know, kind of like stay off the radar and some that are really disturbing. I mean, Scientology, and there's a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah. But, you know, to have one that's so high profile and, for lack of a better word, so modern is just really weird. But, and, and what puts me in mind, because you, you put me on mind, is I, I'm the second blog I wrote for us was about I still can't understand how these people were so seduced. Mm hmm and uh, very smart people, people who are into in the entertainment business, um, but but they got they got into a world like we're talking about a, a very insular world where things became normal to them, mm -hmm. and behavior and and modes of thinking, and I think a lot had to do with ego too. But w what brings them to that point where you and I wouldn't go go to that point? Mm -hmm. That's my question. Like I understand cults and I understand brainwashing can work, but w when does your red flag go up and go? Uh, me getting a brand that near my vagina is probably we're probably going too far here. <laughs> I agree because you and I both say that the last thing you and either of us want is a brand near our vagina. Oh, right? absolutely not. Oh, no, 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 no. My, my mine is uh, mine is quite virginal. Thank you very much. And beautiful, I would say. Yep. Uh, yep. But. And consistently wet and ready, but well, I think, I think, what what gets them there, Chris? What what gets them to the point where <laughs> they say, "Okay, this is all okay." Mm -hmm. That's my question. And you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with you know, like you mentioned, for lack of a better word, brainwashing. But a lot of times, it's like I was reading about you know about cult behavior fairly recently, and they they yeah. talk about a lot of times is that they they offer you know cult members a sense of belonging. And, you know, to be part of something. And sometimes it's a pseudo family. Sometimes it's, you know, other things. And sometimes they're kind of like quasi intellectual, too. There's several of those that are popped up, particularly on the Internet, where it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like focused on like a belief system. And yeah. it could be even argued that the incels are kind of a cult like behavior, though there's not necessarily a specific leader. Um, and there's also like a certain degree of almost kind of. Um, I guess you could call it like Machiavellianism to it because like, you know, like Scientology is a good example. Scientology was rife in Hollywood for quite a long time because it became the thing where, you know, members, you know, recruited members because they're all part of the same industry. And there's a sort of like less than subtle inference that if you joined, then your career would be better. Yes. You know, and that could explain a little bit of the, um, the Nexium. Is it Nexium? I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, next year, right? yeah, it could be part of it too. Um, but a lot of times also they work by promising what people weren't getting. And that's, you know, what could be anything from affection to respect to power to whatever. And then by destroying them in, you know, emotionally, because yeah. a lot of times cults act by, you know, you know, basically knocking people to the very, very lowest level and then sort of like, you know, promising that they'll, you know, that they'll be helped or, you know, something similar, so they become dependent on the cult. 
Um, and of course, also a lot of it is also isolation because, you know, they keep, you know, cult members away from family, friends, or what's right. even happening in the real world. And so right. the, whatever the cult says becomes their, their absolute reality. It's really quite scary. And there's quite a number of them that are still really quite terrifying. Oh, yeah. And I mean, th that's a good point, too. Maybe a certain personality is susceptible. Mm -hmm. um, needs affirmation more than most mm -hmm. and then becomes susceptible, you know? Um, maybe that's what it's because it's just when that wacky guy Keith Ranieri walks in a room and starts talking, mm -hmm. I, I just get my hackles up because and I think any any reason person would would not think oh he's really smart and an, and a messiah. Mm -hmm. I, you would even even if you had no negative thoughts about the guy, you'd say well let me let me have a reason thought about what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And these people just whole hog were just ready to follow him. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. I think you have to have a certain mindset that makes you susceptible to this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's and there's also a lot of classical, as you mentioned, brainwashing techniques. One of them is, um, I know this was particularly with the, I think the Bhagwan, you know, up in, up in Oregon, um, was to keep people busy so they wouldn't question. They didn't have any spare right. time. Um, feeding them a low, a low, um, a low calorie or low protein diet. Yes. You know, it was part of it. Also, sleep deprivation yes. was a big part of it, where they would just simply, like, keep people, you know, awake. And then, you know, once again, when you're in that kind of, like, state, you're very susceptible, um, yeah. you know, and all these other classic techniques. I mean, uh, another one is, you know, punishing any kind of dissent. And it could be right. either active punishment or, you know, once again, kind of a shunning or something similar. And, again, it's like, you know, the cult becomes everything. And right. so you, you start to like question all reality. And that's what's funny because when you look at, like you mentioned, a lot of these leaders, they make no sense to us because they're just like talking gibberish. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, it could be like, I mean, look at the QAnon movement. I mean, it's like, you know, this whole thing stemmed from a ridiculous, you know, couple of sentences on, on Reddit to where people are believing in the satanic cabal of democratic pedophile baby eating you know people and trump is right. the messiah i mean the fact that millions of people follow this is really quite terrifying um but this is it's actually pretty common because it's kind of like you know twisted worldviews and sometimes and, it can get really dangerous i mean we've already seen like you know people are acting out on this kind of thing but oh yeah and, and people and then you, you have like massacres like Jonestown. Oh, yeah. You know? Jonestown's a good example. The um, uh, oh, I'm going to really embarrass myself. I can't remember the name of it. Umbra, um, the, the, the Japanese cult that used the sarin poisonings as uh, another example. I mean, they were even trying to acquire like, you know, weapons of mass destruction. So that's yeah, pretty, pretty damn terrifying. Man. Now, before we go any further, let's tell everybody they have entered the cult of licking non vanilla, by the way. But, but we're benign, and we love everybody, and uh, even our enemies we love. We, we don't have enemies. And you can do anything you want with your life, as far as Chris and I are concerned, just as long as you're not fucking with somebody else. <laughs> you could, um, couldn't say it better, my, couldn't, I couldn't say it better, Rafi. And it's, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, the, yes, the Postal Service, you must rise up against the Postal Service. Right. The mailman. Yeah, we, 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 we have no agendas here. Uh, <laughs> Chris, were you out? Did you live in California in '69? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've never, I've only actually, you know, now since about a year and a half, I moved to Oregon. This is the first time I've actually lived outside the state. Well, actually, not true. I lived in Belgium for a year. Um, but no, I, what my my question was because you talk about cults. Were you in L.A. in '69 with, with the Manson thing? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know them, <laughs> at least not well. No, of course, <laughs> we weren't hanging out with the Manson. Cult. I weren't yeah. hanging out with them. No, I mean, you know, it's just like we had coffee once in a while. Um, but right. Charlie, come over. Oh, I remember hey, when I was very young when that happened. I was nine years old or so, but right because we. Yeah, I remember that happening. Mm -hmm. Let's see, that's sixty nine. So I was eight. I'm a year younger than you. So what? What was that? Because on the East Coast, and again, I was young. It, it, you didn't really know. You got it. You got a hold of it, but not a lot, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. What was it like in L.A. at the time when that when that broke in that summer? Do you remember any of that? Uh, not very much. I must mostly remember in regards to cult stuff, um, the rise of Scientology, which was very big, okay. still is, um, and uh, particularly like the Heaven's Gate, you know, suicide yes. cult. Um, and then there was another one. I just simply drew a blank. Um, what was it? Um, but yeah, they, they pop up every once in a while on the radar. Um, yes. Yeah, LA was like one of those one of those places. It seems like there was quite a number of like cult or this kind of like weird ass behavior. But I know it was kind of like everywhere. Um, but I, I yeah, feel absolutely. like the uh, Lyndon the Lyndon LaRouche cult when I was up here in San Francisco, they popped up, and that was kind of scary. Mm -hmm. um, but there's been a bunch of other ones. I mean, it's like once again, once you start reading about this stuff, it gets pretty damn terrifying how many there are. It's amazing, absolutely amazing how many. Because, um, you know, any reason person is not going to join a cult. Mm -hmm. But it seems to be there. Maybe there's times in history where, but this late, this latest, and I had heard about the Nexium thing because I think one of the women was on Superman for a while, Allison Mack, and she got involved. And then I heard the, about these women getting branded, you know. And then you hear about the master-slave dynamic, which you know, like I wrote about in the mainstream, that always that always kind of gives kink a bad name. Oh, absolutely! I really despise when that uh, pops up, right. you know, because there's always this. Whenever it comes, it's like there's always this, you know, you know, the BDSM community gets the the, the short end of the stick when people think this is like, you know, what happens. It's like God. Damn. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we, we're there's nothing. It, the Nexium thing, even though people did willingly go to do what they did, you can't say it was consensual because they were they were under the influence mm -hmm. of of techniques that did not give them free will. Exactly, and so, that's that's something I'm glad you yeah. brought up because you know I know that you know you know we've talked and many people have, have rightfully talked about the importance of consent. I think it's one of those things that we have to talk about more and more and more because you know it is a major serious issue that you know people don't understand why it's important right and, you know why there always has to be consent but you know consent is also something that you know if it's given under duress or if it's given you know you know where there's a, like for instance my favorite example is like you know almost like a cult-like behavior that you know if someone you know feels that, that if they say no, there's going to be negative repercussions. And it could be anything from a cult behavior to
to like, you know, manipulative partner who basically says that if you don't do this, then, you know, I won't love you anymore. That's not consent. That's completely not consent. Um, so, you know, this whole situation with the cults is a perfect example of that. I mean, they may, you know, on paper, you know, have said that they consent, but, you know, if they don't have, um, you know, if they didn't do it willingly, then that's not consent. And it's a good point you make about partners, too, because we say this over and over. I We both have seen partners literally beating the shit out of each other emotionally mm -hmm. more than we ever see any kind of uh, pain and or violence in a, in a consensual kink situation. Mm -hmm. um, and that idea that if you don't do what I want you to do, then there's repercussions, right? The thing is, we know that passive aggressive partners pull this bullshit all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's implied that I don't, on the surface, don't seem to give a shit what you do. Or, oh no, go ahead, go ahead and do that. But really, what I mean is, <laughs> if you do that, uh, there's consequences. Yeah. And if I'm doing that to somebody or having that done to me, I'm being, it's, it's coercion, right? Exactly. And there, I think that, I think I see more of that go on with people than even out and out. You're an asshole. I don't want you to do that. I think mm -hmm. more passive aggressive than anything going on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's unfortunate that as people talk more and more about consent, they think that there's some kind of like blanket. You can just sort of say, oh, but they gave consent. Well, yes, if they if they didn't feel coerced or if they weren't emotionally pressured or if saying no, you know, had no negative consequences. But if there is either implied or, you know, or not, that's once again, that's not consent. That's, you know, that's assault. You know, you know, I can't can't put that any more simply. And, you know, it's unfortunate that people like have kind of like walked on to that. Oh, but they get consent. It's like, well, no, they didn't because you, you know. You know, we're a jerk around it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you and I have both heard of these horror stories, especially in kink situations, because um, people are either gagged or immobile, mm -hmm. where they start out with consent and it goes to a place where they no longer want to do what they're doing for whatever exactly. reason. It gets painful, gets too painful. Um, they're uncomfortable. There's some sort of physical thing that happens. Um, and they want to stop the action and people, and, and I'm not saying this, this isn't true of just kink players, it's true of anybody, but in the middle of whatever this is, whether it, I don't care, you know, whether you're on a roller coaster or what, whatever you're doing, somebody says, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And mm -hmm. they consult consent from the beginning. Well, we're just going forward. There's no stopping, mm -hmm. which is, you know, we, we, we caution about using safe words all the time. But that may work or not. We hope it works in kink situations. But in regular vanilla sex situations, if you're in the middle of making out with somebody and things are going where they're going, but you don't want them to go any further, mm -hmm. or maybe you don't want to go any further in that direction, but another direction, you know, you have every right to say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And the other person needs to listen. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that, I think I'm, you could, I couldn't have said it better myself, and you're completely right. It's like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I often like to think, you know, going back to BDSM, that, you know, 
I really have a problem, you know, with Doms who their ego is too much involved in the whole scene yeah. where someone says they are uncomfortable, they want to stop, they want to take a break. They get huffy or they get abusive or they get impatient. And it's like, I've often said that, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not sure if I'm exactly right in this, but something I, I like to say is that, you know, the measure of a dom isn't how much of a dom they are. It's what they do if things don't go well. Right. Yeah. You know, if they get all snotty and again, if they sort of like, you know, lose their shit, you know, because someone criticized them or commented or simply wanted a break, then that person is dangerous and should never play with anybody. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, it's like, you know, you know, a good dom will understand that, you know, you need to take breaks, you need to check in, you need to, you know, you need to, um, you know, make sure things are going well. You, and if, they're not, and the person wants to stop. That's okay, you know. The you know the dom doesn't run the scene; the submissive does. And you know that's something I wish was you know I know that when I was in the scene early on, that was something that was very commonly said. But you know, it's kind of like falling by the wayside, which I think is you know not a good thing. Well, also, first of all, that you know you, you had a little pearl of wisdom there, which you usually do, don't even know it, but. Um, oh. The sub really does run the scene. It is the subs, you know, their their limits and whatever they do or don't want to do that runs the scene. The dom's not in charge. Mm -hmm. It's the subs in charge. Um, that said, we have been in classes where we're where people are raising their hands because they're giving us advice or anecdotes from their lives, which is something Chris and I always, uh, you know, ask for. We even ask for it on the show. If you want to write us, please do. Um, but. We've been in those situations where I've noticed either uh, someone who's a sub or someone at a dom, almost like a badge of honor, letting us know how much they could take or inflict. And I'm not sure in all those instances if they even wanted to go there. I think they did because their partner expected or wanted them to go there. Exactly. I'm not saying so. It's, I'm not saying this is true 100 percent of the time. It's probably only true five percent of the time. But I have been on the receiving end of of watching someone's face light up where they tell you and I how amazing they whip somebody or how much tit torture they could take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they're doing it because they enjoy it as much as it was expected. Exactly. Or bragging rights. Yeah. Exactly. And. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. And that's always very upsetting. It's like, you know, where this, there's this kind of thing in the scene. I know if it's getting better or worse or it's just always been there. But, mm. it, you know, it, I think for both of us, it seems to be on the increase, which is not, you know, if it is, that's not good. Right. Uh, where, you know, people do things not because they enjoy it, though that certainly can be a part of it, but because it's either expected or they think if they only like, like a simple spanking or, you know, a, a more of a nurturing or tender scene as opposed to the, you know, for lack of a word, whips and chains, they're somehow like not, you know, as kinky as other people. And that's a bad thing. And it's just like, it's just, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what you like. I mean, it could be something very gentle and light or very severe, but as long as you do it because you like to do it and no other no other reason then that's fantastic but yeah that in inclination to like sort of like oh no i like it really intense and i like cutting off toes and yeah. you know i like you know turning someone's rear into tartar it's like 
you know, I mean, I, you know, not the two war stories, but, you know, I, I taught a different classes a while ago before we started to teach together. Yeah. And I have this rant I do about bondage where I say I don't like rope because rope is, you know, intrinsically extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Versus like other forms of bondage like that rap or mm-hmm. other things. And, you know, my big thing about it was that, you know, it's, it is extremely risky and extremely dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And even then can still cause problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because in, but it's one of those things that's all over the scene. I mean, you, you know, type in bondage, you always see these elaborate shibari things right. and people think that's what it is. And this one dog just got up in a huff and left the class. It's just like, seriously. I mean, it's just like, you know, it just, you know, that, that kind of arrogance again, that kind of like, oh, I know better. And, you know, it's like, you know, I'm trying to keep people safe. That's why I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't care about, you know, my ego because, you know, I can give a flying, you know, crap about it. But for God's sakes, it's like, you know, like, like what we do in our classes, it's like, you know, our big thing right out the gate is safety. Right. And rope is not safe. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, it can be extremely dangerous. And, you know, it's just, once again, that kind of ego get in the, gets in the way. Yeah. And if, if people get upset, and they have, Chris, we've seen them get upset at us because we're going too soft or we're, we're hammering home this issue about safety, right? Mm-hmm. And I really don't give a shit. I mean, this is just the way we're going to proceed. And, and this is the way I think everybody should proceed in their life. And any anytime you're dealing with somebody else in any kind of instance, I don't care what it is, whether they're your their, your employer or whether they're your your lover or your brother. I don't care who it is. Should, shouldn't we always, always conduct ourselves with thinking about the other person first and being safe with them? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think generally that's the way maybe we don't have enough of that. But, I mean, the point is that we've seen those classes where we have been not vilified, but we've been poo-pooed because we've been too safe. Where people think mm-hmm. we're, and Chris and I'll be damned. We're, we're leading with safety first. You know, always. Exactly. And I, I just don't understand that. But, but I, you know, we see it across the board and we have heard horror stories. And we've been involved in scenes and or next to somebody or near a scene or whatever it happens. I was years ago. Um, I went to England to celebrate somebody's birthday, a gentleman who lived there. Uh-huh. And I went over with a friend of mine and over there met another friend of mine, a younger friend of mine. So it was like, by the time of the, it, it, it kind of, when we got to this guy's house out in the English countryside, which is pretty amazing, right? It was like, Three women, three men. And I know that the gentleman whose birthday it was, and all the women knew this, was into caning. He liked to cane women's asses. Now, all three women involved were into it. Right. So it came down to, and it was something that I I just kind of watched and kind of, it's not my thing, so I was... But, you know, they're all friends and everybody was, you know, good. And so we get, get there and it goes down. But I know for a fact that all three women, after a while, kind of got bored. Mm-hmm. And I and the three of them, because I know I know one very, very well. Um, and it, the other two, I kind of knew, but a little and then I knew later or whatever. And I got to, to talk to all three. And they all gave me the same reaction. Like, after a while, this just wasn't something we were so into. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't because, you know, the, the, he was kind of a soft caner, so he didn't really get hurt or anything. But, in, and I, I, I wonder, like, given the moment they were into it, and it was his birthday, and everybody was just in the moment, you know. But given their druthers, they would have stopped the proceedings somewhere along the way. Right. And I think that hot kind of thing, which was a pretty benign happening, that happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody involved with me in anything, whether it's a podcast or whether it's <laughs> or, or you know whatever they're doing with me, where they're kind of like, I'd rather be somewhere else, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that's the most benign example. You know, we've heard exa- of examples of people. You know, I know somebody was trussed up in a in a Saint Anthony's cross, and she started that way. She was getting whipped and enjoying it, and then she had a she had a um. A diabetic situation, and she let the person know she was a diabetic. But she had a she had a, a, an event right during there, and the guy didn't didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. That's some serious shit. Exactly. It could go from from kind of silly and goofy to serious. Mm-hmm. You know. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, I think a lot of it, you know, can and can can stem from. Again, not to sound like I'm dishing all dominance, but you know, I, you know, in the years and, and me kind of dabbling in the scene, and again, I'm not exactly an expert. This is only my personal experience, but you know that sometimes people feel that you know out the gate they have to identify as dominant. It's kind of like the default. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember um, in the San Francisco scene, there used to be this joke that you know when people would you know come to their first like society of Janus meeting or they come to their first, you know, party or something, there was always the default of, oh, he's a dominant and she's a submissive. And it became kind of like a cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, but the joke was that give them a couple of years and the dynamical switch. And it was so funny to see that happen. How, you know, you know, the guy, you know, and not to sound like I'm dishing you know, male identified people, but yes. this is again, my experience, um, you know, would like think that, you know, there's something like, you know, demeaning or less if they if they were sub. But as they got more used to the scene, they sort of switched <laughs> switched roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've seen you know I, I do have to say that I have seen way too many doms who you know just sort of think it's some kind of ego thing. And then, like I said, you know, doms don't run the scene; uh, the sub does. And if they can't handle that they messed up or that the scene had to end for whatever reason, if they get the upset. That's someone who should not be playing us. That's simple. I mean, you know, and then, and, you know, I don't want to lay at the feet of the, at the subs, but, you know, again, if they don't feel they can say no, then they're not consenting. I mean, if they feel that you have to put up with this, you know, because to protect that, you know, that person or because they think it's wrong to, you know, call time, you know, that's something to look at as well, because sometimes subs should call, you know, safe word, but for some reason feel that they, you know, not because necessarily the dom is pressuring them, but because they feel they have to endure it. Mm. It's like, no, you don't. You just simply say safe word, call it off. I'm, I'm done. I mean, you know, if anybody thinks less of you, that's their problem and they shouldn't be in the scene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just, just and, and, if you, and if you're trying to run some sort of uh, game where you're trying to show up somebody or how you know how tough you are, or what, you know all that stuff that we talked about. You're you're in the wrong place, man. And you're gonna get mm-hmm. sooner or later. You're gonna get hurt. You exactly. Know? The odds are not Enough. in your favor. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, we as always, Chris, we cover a lot of ground. You and I. 
We do. Know. It's always delightful. It's always fun, yeah, Robbie. It really is. Um, we, Chris and I don't see each other enough, and uh, th so this kind of makes up for a little bit. Um, and we're working on uh, a book. It's going to be out soon, and it's our first nonfiction collaboration. Mm -hmm. That'll be out. I don't know when it's going to be. Whenever it's out, we're going to let you know. And uh, that's another way to kind of get our voices, you know, in, in, in your in your beady, in your front of your beady little eyes any way you want. And we'll let you know about that. And of course, you check out Absolutely. the website and all the stuff Chris is doing and into. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Chris, just real quick, where, where, where are you writing for these days so people could find you? Out of the usual suspects, um, writing for futuresex.net, um, Kinkley, um, Sex for Everybody, and of course we're both writing for Hot uh, Hot Movies, mm -hmm. which is a delight because you know we had Bridget on the show and that's really a fun gig. Um, but a couple other places, but yeah, if you check out my Twitter, like you you can definitely sort of see what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. you know, staying busy, especially you know with with the current pandemic and such, it's just like you know it's kind of nice to like keep yourself occupied. Right. Right. We, we recommend that. Keep your hands on yourself any way you can. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for listening at, to Licking Non Vanilla. We had a great time with you as we always do, getting cut in touch with us. And uh, this has been Ralph Greco Jr. Well, it still is Ralph Greco Jr. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and across the aisle from me has and has been uh, Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian. And uh, we'll see you next time, my little droogs. <laughs> bye bye. And visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com.